the world's broken. That's a statement that not many people would disagree with. Uh, Now, not everyone would agree with it for the same reasons. Uh, Some would say that the world's broken because of the current cost of living crisis uh, with inflation and the price of everything creeping up and up and up. Others would say that the world is broken because of the things that human beings do to one another. Uh, To take two news stories from the last week. One headline read, Man abducted schoolgirl while dressed as a woman. Other headlines were to do with the ongoing Lucy Letby trial where she's accused of killing seven babies and the attempted murder of ten others. Elsewhere, mass shootings are uh, becoming so common we could easily become desensitised to them. And then there's war. Uh, Particularly on our minds is the war in Ukraine, bringing with it the threat of intentional or unintentional nuclear disaster. Some would say that the world is broken because of the failure of those in power. Politicians who are out of touch and failing to make a difference for their constituents. Others would say that the world is broken because of the difficulty of accessing basic services such as healthcare, whether that's waiting months to see a dentist or years for an operation. Some would say that the world is broken because it's unjust, whether in terms of the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. Or the world's broken because of the justice system People committing horrendous crimes and getting away with laughable sentences if they even get a sentence at all. Still others would say that the world is broken because technology has got out of control. Whether that's screen addiction in young people and older people too. Causing them to withdraw from normal relationships with those around them. Or whether it's artificial intelligence Uh, We're now at the stage where people who have worked on these things are are warning about where they could end up. Perhaps for someone here you're not that concerned about the direction the whole world is going in because you feel that you can't change it so there's no point worrying about it. But you know the pain of strained and broken relationships. Life just hasn't gone the way you expected it would. And your world feels broken. Some would hear the phrase, the world's broken, and say that it's literally true. That the planet we live on is broken. uh, And the danger of being broken irreparably. One headline last week read, Global warming set to break key 1.5 degree limit for first time. We're told in the article that for that to happen would be calamitous for the planet. Still others would say that the world's broken because of the moral confusion there is. Last week, 44 academics at the University of Oxford, including Richard Dawkins, signed a letter to the Times because of their alarm at the refusal of many within the university to tolerate debate. Uh, It was in light of a a gender-critical feminist being invited to, to come and speak and the opposition to that. Uh, The letter explains that that she believed that biological sex in humans is real 
a view which until recently would have been so commonplace as to hardly merit asserting. Now, however, uh, the authors say that these views are regarded as so illicit that they cannot be safely discussed in front of an audience of consenting and intelligent adults at the main debating society at the University of Oxford. And really, whatever way you look at it, the world is not in good shape. Economically, politically, morally, relationally, the world is broken. And we want to consider that reality under two headings this morning. Uh, We want to ask firstly, why is it broken? And then secondly, what can we do to fix it? That we'll spend uh, most of our time on the first one. So firstly, this morning, why is it broken? Daddy, can you fix this? That's the request that I get fairly often. Uh, But if I'm going to fix something, it, it helps if I know how it originally worked. And if I can't work out how something was meant to work in the first place, it's going to be very hard to fix it. And it's the same with our world. If we are to properly diagnose the problem, we need to understand what its purpose is meant to be. Or whether it even has a purpose. After all, surely to say that something is broken implies that it had a purpose to begin with. If there is no sense of purpose, if it's all just random, then how can we even talk about the world being broken? Perhaps things aren't going the way we would like them to go, or the way many others would like them to go. But what makes any one person's idea of how things should go the right one? As we've seen, lots of people will agree with the statement, the world's broken, But people disagree as to why. And so the the statement that the world's broken forces us to ask questions about the world's purpose. So can we talk about the world having a purpose? The author Terry Pratchett once summed up our world by saying that some people think that we are fallen angels and others think we are rising apes. It's not a bad summary now the Bible doesn't say that we're fallen angels as such, we're not, but it, but it does say that we were made just a little lower than the angels and that we have fallen from that position. We've fallen from what God made us to be. So fallen angels or rising apes. And Pratchett's two ways of looking at the world provide very different answers to the question of why the world is in the state that it's in. If we are rising apes, then there's no purpose in the world other than the survival of the fittest. People do expect that continued evolution and more education will make the world a better place. Though again, there's no fixed standard of what better means. And there's no reason to think that the survival of the fittest will lead to a more compassionate society. Uh, 
or even as we'll think about tonight uh, it becomes hard to even say why uh, being compassionate is a good thing it is a truth uh, that we have come to believe today uh, as Christians we, we can give reasons for it but not all societies have believed it but on the other hand if we are fallen creatures created by God then whatever that fall is will explain why the world is broken. If as Christians believe we do live in a fallen world, then we can at least ask the question, what went wrong? But if we live in a meaningless universe, then the very question of what went wrong doesn't even make sense. Nothing's gone wrong because there is no purpose There is no plan and there never was. Last month I read an amazing sentence in the Spectator magazine. It was written by Sasha Hinckley who is a professor of physics and astronomy at Exeter University. (coughs) The article was entitled The James Webb Space Telescope and the Search for Life in the Universe. We learn in that article that there are more planets in the universe than there are grains of sand on the earth. And the question that Hinckley and his team are seeking to answer with that telescope and other technology is the question, are we alone in the universe? Are we alone in the universe? And Hinckley Uh, The professor from from Exeter says, I would go so far as to say that it is looking increasingly likely that the detection of life on an exoplanet will happen in my lifetime. So here's a man, he's in his 40s. He expects uh, that in his lifetime uh, we will find life on another planet. But, But what really struck me about the article is when he says this. He says, if we knew how our planet came into being, it could reshape our entire thinking about the cosmos and our place in it. And when I read that, I said, yes, I wanted to shout, yes. If only we knew how our planet came into being, it could reshape our entire thinking about the cosmos and our place in it. If only we knew. If only the one who had brought our planet into being had written a book and had told us. If only. But alas, we are doomed to see if a $10 billion space telescope can answer our questions about where we came from. So why look into space rather than look into the Bible? Looking into space is good. It does tell us something. The heavens declare the glory of God. Looking into space tells us that there is a God. But only the Bible tells us who that God is and why he made everything. So why not read it? Why not accept its answer? Uh, Well, there's a very simple reason why many don't why in fact none of us by nature do and that is that if the world has a creator then we need to listen to him 
But if we can pretend that the world doesn't have a creator, then there's no one that we need to listen to. If the world has a creator, then he sets the rules. But if it doesn't, then we get to set the rules. And that's actually the Bible's answer as to why the world is broken. It's broken because we haven't listened to our creator. Uh, The book of Isaiah tells us in chapter 53, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Or there's the book of Ecclesiastes which explores the apparent meaninglessness of life. And the author King Solomon concludes, See this alone I find that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. Or the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans. Sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. There was once a pure and spotless world. No suffering, no sickness, no death. (coughs) Then sin came in. And with it, decay, death, disaster, thorns, thistles, earthquakes, floods. And as a result, Romans chapter 8 can talk about the creation itself groaning. That there really is a, a physical dimension to our world being broken so when did it all go wrong was it last year 50 years ago a century ago when can we can we trace it all back to well actually it all went wrong right back in the garden of eden Men and women tried to cast off God's authority over their lives. The whole thing about the forbidden fruit can seem so trivial to us. Are are we seriously saying that a whole planet was doomed because someone ate an apple or, or whatever it was? But it wasn't simply a question of eating the fruit or not eating it. It was are we going to live under God's authority or are we going to throw it off? Satan tempted Eve by saying, you will be like God. You will be like God. (coughs) And humanity's desire to achieve that explains why the world is in the state that it's in. We wanted to be like God and this happened. Perhaps when we think today of people wanting to be like God, we think of scientists wanting to create designer babies or trying to create babies with DNA from three different people as happened for the first time earlier this month. But if God exists, and if there is a moral code written into the fabric of the universe that reflects his character, then for any one of us to try and live according to a different moral code is to attempt to be God. Maybe you've even said yourself, those scientists are playing God. But if you try and set your own standards to live by, you're doing the same thing. Now that's not to say people don't live by a moral code today. You might think, uh, uh, this was the the idea, we get rid of God, there will be uh, no moral code that we have to live by. 
but many people today have a strong sense of morality, of right and wrong. Uh, Cancel culture is nothing if not a keen sense of right and wrong. Of course, the, the difference with Christianity is that today's morality, it doesn't offer forgiveness. It, it cancels you and that's it. Uh, but people ha- have a strong sense of sin today, even if they don't call it that. Uh, and increasingly, people feel that their moral code is better than the one in the Bible. And that's really at the heart of what we'll be thinking about tonight. But what's God's verdict on our attempts to be more moral than him? What's God's verdict on our attempt to say, actually, God, your way is bad and our way is better? Well, the Apostle Paul summed it up long ago in Romans chapter 10 because none of this is new. He said, being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, that is their own righteousness, they did not submit to God's righteousness. If there is a God and if his law is perfect as the Bible claims, then to have the audacity to think that we could improve upon it is a very serious thing. And the implications of that don't just affect ourselves. Did you notice uh, the pattern in Genesis chapter 3? Breakdown in relationship with God leads to breakdown in relationship with one another. Adam and Eve disobey God, and when they're found out, what does Adam do? Well, immediately he starts blaming Eve. We cannot hope for right relationships with one another until our relationship with God is sorted out. And if you don't believe that, just ask the question, how has trying to replace God and his moral code worked out for us? Just look at society. Uh, As Western Europe tries to throw off God's law, is it becoming a happier place? Are people more content or less content? Is there less anxiety or more anxiety? Jesus summarised the law as love God and love your neighbour. And our world says, well, well, we like the second part of that, so we're going to try and love our neighbours, but we'll leave God out of it. Thank you very much. Uh, But our attempts to love our neighbours without loving God are are ultimately doomed to fail. Because without God and his word, we don't know what it is to properly love our neighbours other than what we have knowingly or unknowingly inherited from Christianity. Uh, And our attempts to help them may even harm them. So to sum it all up, why is the world broken? 40 years ago, the Russian writer and communist critic Alexander Solzhenitsyn gave an acceptance speech for an award. He began a speech like this. Over half a century ago, while I was still a child, I recall hearing a number of older people offer the following explanation for the great disasters that had befallen Russia. Men have forgotten God. That is why all this has happened. Since then, he went on to say he'd spent over 50 years working on the history of the revolution, reading hundreds of books, collecting hundreds of personal testimonies. He'd written eight books of his own at that point. 
But he says, if I were asked today to formulate as concisely as possible the main cause of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million of our people, I could not put it more accurately than to repeat, men have forgotten God. That is why all this has happened. He went on in the same speech to say that the phrase could sum up the 20th century and the wars and bloodshed that it brought. Men have forgotten God. To update it for the 21st century, it might not be even going far enough to say that men have forgotten God, uh, more like they have actively opposed God. And that is the Bible's verdict on why the world is broken. It is because we have tried to use and enjoy creation while ignoring the creator. I came across a definition of, of sin recently which I thought was pretty helpful. Uh, so if, if you, you tend to switch off when you hear the word sin, uh, listen to this. Sin is an effort to separate God from the part of creation we're holding. Sin is an effort to separate God from the part of creation we're holding. That was true of Eve in the garden. She tried to hold the forbidden fruit in her hand and yet separate it from God and what he had said. It's true of a sin like gluttony, which is an effort to separate God from the piece of food that the person is holding. It's true of sex outside marriage, uh, which is an effort to separate God from the other person that someone is holding. You know, people think of sin as, as you know, the, the idea of sin is to, is to stop people enjoying themselves. But, but sin is an effort to separate God from the part of creation that we're holding. God has made creation for us to enjoy, uh, but, but not, to, not to enjoy while ignoring him. No, that's not a complete definition of sin, but, but it is a great picture of our attempt to hold on to any piece of creation, but separate it from the God who created it and who created us. So firstly, this morning, under the theme of the world's broken, we've considered why it's broken. It's broken uh, because we thought and continue to think that we know better than our creator. And every one of us have done that. Even as Christians, we do it every day. Secondly, this morning, what can we do to fix it? The world's broken, so what can we do to fix it? Well, the short answer is nothing. Nothing. I did say that this second point would be shorter. But we do have to come to terms with that one word answer. The world is broken and there is nothing we can do to fix it. No amount of activism or campaigning or education or cutting down on fossil fuels. Nothing. Now that doesn't mean we can't improve our world. If communities and, and even whole nations really put into practice what it means to love God and love our neighbours, then things would look very different. But ultimately the world is broken because the people in it are broken and that includes all of us. And we're broken because we are, we are sinned against by other people but also because we're sinners ourselves. We might prefer to blame certain groups 
It's, it's the politicians, it's the scientists, it's the immigrants, it's white males. But the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. A, a torrent of death and destruction was unleashed on this world by Adam and Eve's sin. And we can't put that genie back in the bottle. And so what do we need? We need someone from outside this broken world to come and rescue us. The answer isn't to try and turn over a new leaf. Can a leopard change his spots? Asks God in the book of Jeremiah. Then you also can do good who are accustomed to do evil. Nor is the answer just to try and live up to God's moral code which we were thinking about earlier. Yes, when someone becomes a Christian, they are, by the help of the Holy Spirit, to seek to obey God's law. But if it was simply a case that (coughs) living a good moral life was enough, then there would have been no need for Jesus to come. Living a good life and thinking God will accept you for it is to look at the cross of Jesus and say, well, thanks, but no thanks. Or actually it's worse than that. It's to look at the cross of Jesus and say you shouldn't have bothered. Not that we could ever get right with God by living a good life anyway. If we want to try and get right with God by law keeping then we are obligated to keep the whole thing. The Apostle Paul tells us that in Galatians but we can't do it. We like to think that we'll be okay if our good deeds will outweigh our bad deeds. But even if we could do more good than bad, the Bible says whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. One day this world will be burned up because God is going to bring in new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. A world that's no longer broken. A world that's like this world was when God originally made it, but without the potential for it all to go wrong again. It's a world that's prophesied in some well-known words from the book of Isaiah, uh, some of which you might also recognise from a Johnny Cash song. The wolf shall lie down with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and the little child shall lead them. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's a world where there will again be a tree of life, just as there was at the beginning. But the leaves of this tree will be for the healing of the nations. There is so much pain and heartache now among the nations of the world. But but there, there there will be healing. So how can you make sure that you're there? How can you be in what the Bible calls paradise? The true paradise as opposed to the cheap, tacky versions of paradise that people look for on earth. How can you be there? Only through faith in Jesus. By repenting of your sin and putting your trust in him. You need someone who comes from outside this broken world. And Jesus did. 
but he came down and experienced our brokenness. The message of the gospel is that God made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Martin Luther called it the great exchange. Jesus takes our sin and he gives us righteousness. He gives us his record of perfect obedience. What can we do to fix our broken world? Nothing. But Jesus has done it all. On the cross he said it is finished. There's nothing more for us to add. We all feel the brokenness of our world. Perhaps some of us could talk all day about whose fault we think that it is. But ultimately our world is broken because of sin. And we all share in that. It is original sin, yes, but it is also our continued addiction. And so the only hope for our broken world and for each of us is not religion in and of itself, but Jesus. As someone has put it, there was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. And so this morning we've asked the question, why is the world broken? And we've asked, what can we do about it? Another question we could have asked is, can we live well in a broken world? Uh, And surely that's an important question too. Because sometimes Christians can give the impression that that if this world is doomed anyway, then we might as well just give up on it. That the only thing that matters is to be saved and to see others saved. And certainly those things are the top priority, But actually the Bible has plenty to say about living well in this broken world. That's something that's a big part of our regular teaching ministry as a church. Whether on Sundays or in smaller groups. How do we cope with suffering? How can our relationships be better? How can we equip our children for life in this world? At the moment on Sunday mornings we're working through the Beatitudes. Uh, Those are Jesus teaching about what the blessed life looks like. So can we live well in a broken world? Does the Bible tell us about how to live here and now? Absolutely it does. But the starting point has to be faith in Jesus. The one who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. Well, we'll close this morning by singing the final words of Psalm 22. Psalm 22, verses 21 to the end, starting on page 41. Why is the world in the state that it's in? Men have forgotten God. But 3,000 years ago, the man who lived in the tiny little nation where this song was written knew that that wouldn't be the case forever. Men have forgotten God, but he had the confidence to say, verse 21, then men remember will the Lord. And how would that come about? Through the life and death of Jesus Christ and the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. This psalm begins with the words that we're not singing them. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A thousand years after they were written, Jesus Christ would go to the cross and take those words on his lips. But he knew the answer, and so do we. He was forsaken so that we could go free.
Psalm 22, 21 to the end. Let's stand and sing praise. <laughs>